It's just great to reinforce this issue of hypocrisy that so many times we see and we hear about. And in my life as a, as a pastor, I, I, it's not every week, but I don't think there's hardly a month that passes that someone somewhere doesn't say to me when they learn that I'm a minister, oh, you know, I used to go to church, you know, and I, you know, you just get so tired of hearing that stuff. So I used to go to church. Really? I said, yeah, well, save it. You know, hit your five iron, hit your five iron and let's go. Come on. Um, but um, I used to go to church, but you know, all, you know, all they think about is asking for money and hypocrites. There's a bunch of hypocrites there. Um, and of course, I always have two or three different answers depending on the situation that I, that I would use. Usually it's something like, well, what would you rather be around? People who have no standards at all, and therefore they, they're not hypocrites because they don't have anything to live up to, or those who have some standards but don't always live up to them. Which, which would you rather be around? Um, because that, that really is kind of what it comes down to. But unfortunately, it's not the only thing it comes down to. Unfortunately, this is an issue that, that there, there are a lot of these issues of hypocrisy in the church, and somehow this whole thing gets kind of, in some cases, blown out of proportion. In some cases, it's, it's pretty accurate that, that it is an issue. It's a problem. So I want to deal with that, and, and I, I want to tell you this right up front. Um, this particular message, by the way, is, is why this came from a series in, that, that we did in 04. This was in March, this particular message was March 21st of 04, and uh, it was about 10 things that makes the church cringe. And one of those things is, why, why is the church full of hypocrites? So I haven't really talked about that since. I'm sure I've mentioned hypocrisy here and there, but not quite in the way that I'm going to here. And it is something that needs to be addressed more than every four years, really, because it's, it's such an issue. So I want, I want to talk about it. I want you to think about it. And you're going to think of some other people, uh, people you've known, and, and that's fine. But, but also, before the end of the day or before the end of the morning, I want you to think about your own life. I, am I in there somewhere? Is, this, is, he, is, is he talking about me? Because really, you can't do something about the other person, but you can do something about yourself. So that, that ultimately is my goal here. So I want you to think through these things with me uh, for a little bit here. Here's the point I want you to see, and I'm going to say it two or three times. Hypocrisy is remedied. When we live focused, self-aware lives authentically, okay? I'm going to unpack that for you, Uh, but hypocrisy is remedied when we live focused, self-aware lives authentically. So, let's ask the question, why is the church so full of hypocrites? Why does it happen that way? And there's really, there's a lot of answers to that. Um, One I would give is because people are flawed and they don't don't always live up to the standards, the beliefs that they have. That's one issue. Um, Sometimes the church creates an environment that promotes hypocrisy because, you know, this is how you're supposed to act and look and be when you go to church. And uh, not just physically, but this is, you know, know, when you go to church, you you can't be, you know who you really are because people won't accept you. One of the things I used to hear a lot, um, and I got some strong opinions about this now, but I, I, hear, I used to hear this, I don't know, not all the time, but I hear it from time to time. People would say, it's about 10 years ago or so, 15 years ago, people would say to me, um, up until that time, you know, I would rather go to the neighborhood bar because I find more acceptance there than I do at church. Never quite understood that. And then, and then I, for different reasons, um, not just for, for the obvious, I ended up 
in a few bars. I don't mean like dives. I mean like Winberries, places like that. And you know what? I found, I found out they were right. But, here's, here, but, but, but there's a certain level of acceptance there. You can come into a bar, and I've seen this, and a guy can say, yeah, I've had a horrible day. Life stinks. My boss is a jerk. My wife kicked me out for the night. Uh, I need a you know, tall, stiff one, whatever. And, uh, and, and everybody, oh, yeah, sorry. They're, they find acceptance. They don't have a level of expectation there that sometimes we do in a church. Now, what I hope... One of the things that comes about, and we see it happening some in Renaissance Church, not that you would come in here on a Sunday morning and say, just, you know, oh gosh, life really stinks. And this, but I hope you could at least feel the freedom to tell some people that when you go to church uh, and, and not feel you're going to be condemned or feel like you're going to be lesser than who you are or, 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 or whatever. So, I mean, that, I understand that, that, that question. I hope we can find that in some place besides a bar, you know? Uh, that's that's my hope here. Um, you know, authenticity is often not encouraged either, particularly in religious Christian church type circles, because people don't. You know, you just want to put up your you want to put your your, your best face forward. That's kind of that kind of hurts too. So here we go. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to do. I like doing this, and I don't do it a lot because I'm told I I do it a lot. I'm told not to do it all the time because. Some, I'm told that some of you will get tired of it, so um, I haven't done this in a while. And I did this originally, and that is, I like lists, you know? I like top ten lists in particular. So what I'm going to do is give you ten ways to never be a miserable, disgusting, weak, mealy-mouthed, emotionally crippled hypocrite, okay? And yes, if you're wondering, I did write that, okay? I didn't borrow that. I didn't do the search of the internet. I found that right there. I did that myself. So here we go. I'm going to start with number 10. We're going to go down through one, and uh, you'll kind of see where we're going with this. Number 10, have no standards. You'll never be a hypocrite if you don't have any standards, any guidelines, any principles, because you'll never violate any principles that you have because you won't have any principles. That's a real simple solution. You know, lying, it's no big deal. If you, don't, if you think lying is okay, well, then, then you, don't have, you don't have to be a hypocrite about it. I'm an honest liar. I lie, you know? Kind of a different way. Obviously, I'm not encouraging that. Number nine, learn the art of talking but saying nothing. Just talk. Ah, okay, yeah. And who knows? Then maybe you run for office and who knows? I mean, it, it, um, Thomas Neal, writer, said this, of those who say nothing, few are silent. Um, interesting thought. Just think about that for a moment. All right? Let that sink in. Number eight, never talk about your beliefs. Never talk about your beliefs. Why? If you talk about your beliefs, then, all, you're, then you're caught dead to rights. People say, oh, I don't want to talk about, uh, you know, we can't talk about religion. It's always kind of funny when you get in those dinner parties. We can't talk about religion. Well, what do you want to talk about? Weather? You know? You know, the Mets? That's discouraging. Uh, sorry. Um, they won. Sorry. Mets fans. Um, believe everything. You know, just believe everything. Somebody says, you know, the only way to, the only way to heaven is Jesus. Yeah, that's great. Somebody says, oh, yeah, you know, Islam is really the way to go. Oh, okay, yeah, you know. Just believe everything. You know, wh- whomever you're with, just believe whatever they're talking about. You know, you'll never be accused of being a hypocrite. I like this one, too. Uh, have strong beliefs, but change them quickly and frequently. You know? <laughs> just change them. Oh, yeah, I changed my mind on that. When? Oh, about two seconds ago, okay? Um, Number five, live on a desert island, or maybe just be isolated. And that happens, doesn't it? 
in order to keep from being accused, or for a lot of other reasons with hypocrisy. Um, you want to be isolated. People isolate themselves, and they're never really real. They're isolated. I mean, they talk, and they're nice, and they smile, and they're polite, but they're not really real. They can't be. They're isolating themselves in fear of being found out for who they really are. And uh, that's, that's a terrible way to live. Emerson said this. Um, I love this quote. Every man alone is sincere. At the entrance of a second person, hypocrisy begins. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? Yeah, so you just kind of stay alone. Uh, number four is one that I've seen a lot in church circles. Criticize everybody. Keep eyes and accusations on them and off you. Just be critical. Some people think they have the gift of being critical. One guy said this, the critic is an intriguing specimen of humanity. He can be the most dysfunctional human in the room, but as long as he's clever and gives an appearance of wisdom, he can fire critical verbal follies at every living being and for a season by some be thought of as insightful, but only for a season. And you know, it's true. I mean, the guy who just wants to, or the lady who just wants to fire criticism after criticism, they're just really the master of taking the eyes off of me and whatever my issues might be. Number three, these last three, really the ones that I want, we're just going to kind of, a little more more substance to them in some ways. Have a belief-based worldview. Let your beliefs drive your worldview. You know, don't just adopt a worldview, but let your beliefs beliefs drive that. Will Will you still be hypocrite? Listen, we're all going to be, we are all going to have the opportunity to be accused of at one or more times in our lives of being hypocritical. All of us are, because we're not perfect and we don't always live up to whatever standards we have. So just get used to that and let your beliefs drive your worldview. I'll talk more about that in a moment because number two kind of, kind of reinforces that. Think through this. Beliefs equals behavior. Your behavior, you know, and, and so many times, this is where we miss the point again, we talk about behavior, but we forget about the fact that our behavior is a product of our belief system. Now, does that mean that we always live in a way that is indicative of my belief structure? Of course not. We've already stated that. But generally, our beliefs are going to drive how we live. Um, And the last thing, and I've already said this, number one, be authentic. Just be authentic. Be who you are. Be the person that God made you. Not giving you a free pass on that. We're going to come back to that. That doesn't mean you just, you know, if you're an abusive, um, um, confrontational, in a negative kind of way type of individual, it doesn't mean you just get a free pass. That change needs to take place sometimes. But for right now, for our purposes, for just this moment, just be authentic, all right? I'm going to revisit that in a couple of minutes. And I want to say this again. Hypocrisy is remedied when we, when we live focused, self-aware lives authentically, all right? It's remedy when we live focused, self-aware lives authentically. And that's important. I want to show you what Jesus says. I want you to know what the Bible teaches on this. Because that's really what's important. Not what I think or anybody else, but what Jesus says. And, um, and Jesus is very outspoken about this. And he's very clear. He's right on point as he always was and is. And uh, it's, it's pretty good. In fact, we're going to see what, hy- what, hy- what hypocrisy is, how it's defined by Jesus with action points for avoiding it, all right? And every now and then you're going to hear me slip and you're going to hear me say hypocrisy instead of hypocrisy. 
And that's because I was raised in the Midwest where we have a special way of pronouncing things. And unless you leave the Midwest, you're very happy in that way of pronouncing things. And nobody ever challenges you, and it's just terrific. But then you get outside of the Midwest, and you get in other places, and they pronounce things differently and sometimes correctly. And in this case, it's correct, okay? We had a big argument about this, um, Clay and I, this week on hypocrisy versus hypocrisy. So we looked it up online. And uh, and if you look it up on the Merriam-Webster online dictionary, they also have a pronunciation key. I'm sure you've been there. And uh, so I kept hitting that thing, and hypocrisy. I was arguing, I said, no, it's hypocrisy. He said, no, it's hypocrisy. So I kept hitting it, and it kept saying hypocrisy, and I learned that before he came into the office. So every time it would say it, I kept hitting it, and I would say it along with it. Hypocrisy, hypocrisy. And I tried to kind of blur it out. But anyway, I eventually lost that battle. But... um, what can you say? Um, hypocrisy, defined by Jesus, and I'm going to show you this. I'm going to show you some action points on what to do about it, all right? Um, and I'll just tell you this. Hypocrisy is really a disconnect between the heart and the brain. That's what it is. And Jesus is just really strong on this. Look what he says. This is in Matthew chapter 15. It's also, it's all, Mark also writes about it in, in his gospel, but he, Jesus quoting from the, the Old Testament, Isaiah. Look what he says. You hypocrites. Isaiah was prophesying about you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Their worship is a farce, for they replace God's commands with their own man-made teachings. That's amazing stuff right there. And this is as as strong as it gets with, with, with the Lord. He says, this is just bad stuff. You know, I love that part in verse verse eight, the way he says it. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. I mean, have you ever been like that? Where maybe you go through the motions and you say the words and you pray the Lord's Prayer or even just pray a prayer of your own and you get through praying and you say amen and you think, who was I talking to? I mean, I've done that. You feel like your prayers didn't go any further than the ceiling. Maybe not that far. And, and those are tough times, and we all have those times. But, but Jesus is talking about it in a different way in the sense that these guys are boasting about who they are uh, in God and all the other kinds of stuff and never coming to grips with that and never coming to grips with the reality of I'm saying one thing and I'm living a different way. Here's the point. Hypocrisy misses the point. It just misses the point totally. Uh, let me show you another, some other words of Jesus. I'll show you how, how this whole thing, how people miss the point on this. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, how terrible it will be for you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, the Pharisees, leaders, the religious leaders of the time. You're careful, you're careful to tithe even the tiniest part of your income, but you ignore the important things of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but you should not leave undone the more important things Blind guides, that's what he's calling them. You strain your water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, and then you swallow a camel. Interesting metaphor, huh? From, from Jesus' words. Now, and the point is this, they, they tithe. That means that they give 10% of their income. That's where tithe comes from. It really goes back to the Old Testament. This isn't a, a talk about giving, but I just, just to give you a real They tithe, they give 10% of their income, and that's a good thing, and they, they should do that. You should do that. It's a great thing to do. Maybe you give 15%. Maybe you give 20%. I'm happy if everybody here gives 10%. Anyway, that's another story, all right? Um, but he's saying that's a good thing. But he, but he says, listen, there's even something more important than that. You don't get that too many times in church, do you? Something even more important than that. And that is what's happening with your life. Because that's when he says, 
You ignore the important things of the law, justice, mercy, faith. Here's his point I want you to see. He says, strive for focus. Strive for focus. Um, Why do I live this way? Why do I live the way that I do? Strive for the proper focus. When he talks about that, you strain your waters. You're missing the point, people. That's his his issue. I I see this in many different ways. I I see this. I do, I don't know, um, did one yesterday. Uh, I do three or four or five weddings a summer, usually. Always fun. Did one yesterday for one of our couples um, here that helps with our kids, uh, the first through third graders, Joel and Patty, if you know. And um, married, we married them, um, Charlene and I, and Nate and Kelsey went up, our student ministries director, and Kelsey, our children's director, his wife. Um, and we went up to, uh, I don't know where we were. We were five miles from Canada on Lake Champlain. Um, and it was a beautiful setting, a great wedding. Anyway, I tell you that only to tell you this. Um, I do these wedding, you know, weddings for a lot of people here and friends, possibly, family. And, and usually this happened, this happened not too long ago, too. This happened, uh, well, I don't know when it was. It was actually last summer, I think, or maybe the summer before. It all runs together. Whenever it was, it doesn't matter. And I'm not going to go into great detail because I don't want you to, you're, you're not going to know who I'm talking about. But I don't want you to think you know who I'm talking about, all right, because you don't even know these people. Um, but it was one of these deals, and you don't run into this too much, but it's one of these deals where one of the parents of the, let's see, I'm the officiant. What are they? They're the attendants, okay? Yeah, people at wedding party. Let me just say it that way. One of the parents of the wedding party kids, I call them kids because they were young, um, didn't want to come to a large part of the wedding, the, re- the rehearsal as well as the, uh, the reception, because the, this, this particular couple, parents, they were very much against wine drinking, wine bibbing. They were some out of some fundy church somewhere, I don't know where they were from. And, um, and they were very much against that, and yet the, 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 the people who were throwing the wedding and so forth had some wine. It wasn't out of control or anything. It just had wine and champagne and so forth, and I think some, some, some other drinks at the bar. Anyway, so they, they kind of were protesting that they weren't going to be a part of that because they were against alcohol. I don't know what the heck they do with Jesus, you know, creating wine at, at the wedding of Canaan. But, you know, that's a different, that's a different argument. But they weren't going to be a part of that. And here's the issue. You know what? And you don't have to drink and you don't have to be a... You can make that choice. But here, here's what ended up happening in that particular situation. It really created a tremendous problem. I happened to get in the middle of it between them and, and, their, and, their, and their adult child who is a part of the wedding party. And I wanted to grab those people who I believe are sincere believers, been incredibly misguided, and I believe Jesus would say some harsh words to them if he were here in, in bodily form. But I really, you know, I, I, I wanted to grab those people and say, so you want to make a statement by not being where there's some wine, and to do that, you're going to alienate your relationship with your kid. What kind of idiot are you? You know, I, I, that's, that's really what I wanted to say. I didn't. Um, I didn't have the opportunity, but, um, um, you know, but that's exactly what this is. And there's a way you can do that. You know, I'm not saying you got to drink when you go to a wedding. I mean, there's a way you can be discreet about that. And many of you are, and I've seen that and that's terrific. But I mean, when you start doing stuff like that, that's exactly what he's saying here. You strain the water so you won't accidentally swallow a gnat, and then you swallow, you miss the whole thing. That's hypocrisy. 
And his point is, strive for proper focus. What's really important here? Why am I living the way I'm living? Strive for that kind of focus. Because you see, hypocrisy is remedied when we live focused, self-aware lives authentically. Second thing I want you to see, hypocrisy not only misses the point, hypocrisy has glaring blind spots. And that was one that I just mentioned, actually. Good work for both of these. Um, Look again what Jesus says, Matthew chapter 7. Why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own, then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with a speck in your friend's eye. Isn't that so typical of those who are hypocritical? They're so quick to point out the problems in others, they can't even see the glaring blind spots in their own lives. And we've all known folks like that. And they were upset whether it be, uh, in a, like the previous illustration that I gave, or whether it be something else in the way somebody lives or what they're doing, and, and they're missing the whole thing in their own life. Um, hypocrisy has glaring blind spots. The action point to that is this. Strive, strive for self-awareness. I don't believe you can do this alone. I think you need, I think you need God. Show you, let me show you David's prayer. Psalm 119, love this prayer. I'm not a big reader of written prayers. Sometimes I write prayers for myself, but I mean, I'm not a big reader of, you know, I don't like praying written prayers sometimes. But here's one that I do. It's David's prayer in the Bible and Psalms. And it's just a great prayer. It says, investigate my heart. Some Bibles read, search me, O God. Find everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether what I've done, anything wrong. And then guide me on the road to eternal life. Sometimes we have to get to it. We all have to do this. Particularly because we are such fallen people. We can develop such big blind spots in our own lives. We need just to get alone with God and say, God, help me to see myself. Help me to understand the hurt that I may be causing without realizing it. Help me to understand some of the words that I say that could cause all kinds of pain that I'm not realizing I'm causing. That's, that's self-examination. Sometimes I might need even another's help to do that, a close friend, somebody very close to me, maybe a, a, a therapist who really understands me and, and can really help with that, with that area. You know, I don't know. I just know we need to do this. It's easy not to do this, particularly in the culture that we live in where we just go, 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 go all the time. And when we're not going, we're going to put on, and I do, I, you know, not just, you know, and when we're not going, we put on our iPhone, our, our, our iPhone, uh, that a Freudian slip, our, our i some new ones are out. I may be going over to the Apple store a little later on this afternoon. Anyway, anyway, um, we, we put in our, our earphones so we don't have to think. Now, there's nothing wrong with putting in your earphones for your walk or your jog or your train ride or whatever it is. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But my, my only encouragement here is sometimes we need just to be alone to think and to communicate with God to help us to see ourselves. That's the point here. Don't miss that. Strive for self-awareness. You know, it's, it's shocking to me. I'm 50 years old, and I'll tell you, the... the the, the number of times I see people who, who are truly self-aware, even sometimes in my own life, um, it, it's frightening. And we need that. We need that for just to live in the society we live in. And I, I really believe only God can really help us get, get through that. Because we can't get beyond ourselves. Strive 
for self-awareness. Honesty is, misses the, uh, hypocrisy misses the point. Hypocrisy has glaring blind spots. Hypocrisy, third thing, is disingenuous. It's disingenuous. It's, it has this exterior mindset. It's just the exact opposite of authenticity. Jesus, again, I like, this is another one of my favorite passages because I love it when Jesus just, it seems, Jesus never did this, please understand. I do, but Jesus never did. He never flew off the handle. Never flew off the handle and said, you bunch of idiots, what the heck are you talking about? He never did that. But there's a couple of instances, and I'm going to show you one in the Bible, where Jesus comes really close to that. Now, please understand, Jesus was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. Theological term for that is hypostatic union. 100% man, 100% God. So he, he, was, he was perfect. But when those times when it appears to me, just me, that maybe he just really gets close, he pushes the envelope, I love reading those because I do that only I go too far. But Jesus never did. You do that. You go too far. But Jesus never did. Here's one of those examples. Love this. Even as a little name calling, I love this. Um, How terrible it will be for you teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, church, you know, know, leaders of religion at the time. Hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs. Beautiful on the outside, filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. You try to look like upright people outwardly, but inside your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. You look good from the outside, but the inside is a mess. That's what he's saying here. Hypocrisy is disingenuous. That's what I want you to see. The action point is very simple. I've already said it. I'm going to say it again. Strive for authenticity. Be who you are. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Don't try to be the person that you think you're supposed to be when you go to church on Sunday morning or when you're with people who go to church, whether it be yours or somebody else's. Don't try to be anything that you're not. I'm not giving you a free pass. That doesn't mean change doesn't need to take place in your life or in mine. But that's part of this process called being a follower of Christ. There's a, there's, a, there's a Christian term for it. It's not really a biblical term. There's a Christian term. It's called sanctification. And it means being set apart or being made holy. And, 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 and here's the process, and I'll, I'll forget about the word for a minute. Here's the point. When one comes to faith, when one comes to say, Lord, I want you to come into my life. I believe in who you are. I believe you died in my place for my sin, of which I've committed many, and that you will live again. And I want you to come into my life. A process begins of becoming, making me and, 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 and you becoming more and more like Christ. It's a lifelong process. You're a lifelong construction project. And as a result, as that begins to take place, changes will take place. You will have some of those rough edges start to round off. And then you might develop some more rough edges and start to round those. Next week I'm talking about the message that I did almost a year ago from the Fruit of the Spirit uh, it's called self-control. And it's interesting because I was looking at it this week, just kind of thinking ahead a little bit. And last, that last year what I did, I, I listed, I had a whole list of things of which I had self-control issues over. I mean, things like French fries and things like that. And, and, and as I was going through that list, I was like, I don't have that problem anymore. No, I don't have that problem anymore. I don't have that problem. What I didn't do, but I was doing in my mind, but I didn't have this on that list, and now that's an issue. So in this whole process, you're going to find some things, you know what, I'm doing better in this area. But there might be something else pop up where you're, you know, you're saying, you know what, I need to do better here. 
by God's grace and by God's power. My point is this. It's a process. And that process begins as we come to faith in Christ. And it continues, really, until the day we die. And that's what we're talking about. So, so when I say strive for authenticity, be who you are. And, and, but be, be understand, understanding of this fact. God, if you, if you cooperate with the Spirit of God, is, be, is and will be doing a work in you that is a, it's an exciting adventure as He continues to make you into the person that He desires you to be. So three things. Strive, strive for the proper focus. What's important? Strive for self-awareness. Painful sometimes. And strive for authenticity as God continues to do a work inwardly that will affect us outwardly. And we'll thank God for that. Let's pray together. Lord God, these are very important issues. I pray that each of us in our own way, whatever we are, wherever we are in life, would stop and think through these things. And that that we would allow, we would be in cooperation with the Spirit of God as He works inwardly in our lives to make us aware of some of the things, some of the blind spots, some of those blind spots that, that are there. I pray for that for each one of us. God, some are here or will be here or were here earlier who are still thinking about the whole issue of what, where they are in, in terms of relationship with you. I pray that the Spirit of God, that, that inner still small voice would work in their lives to help them to see where it is they need to move from here, whether that be just entrusting you or whether that means to, to take that even a little further. We thank you for your love, for your grace, for your forgiveness, of which we need all the time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.